Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 194 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, May 13th, 2021. I know it's been a while. We're going to have some sort of news on that in a second, but we do have some stuff to get to a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk about Mac Jones, of course. But we also got the schedule release, so we're going to sort of work through the Patriots' schedule, some thoughts on games, some stretches, some things like that, expectations for the Patriots' season. But before we do any of that, usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. You could check out the work, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Big Blue View, Blue Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit. You all know that stuff by now. Also, I did mention there's going to be sort of some news. Look. We are shifting into off-season mode here in May. And so shows will be this one. You'll get a show next week. And then we're going to sort of throttle down until after Memorial Day when we start coming back, you know, once a week and then ramping up back to the usual two a week. Um, Papa Bear needs a little recharge time. Check the mentals. You know all that good stuff. So we've got a show today. We're going to show next week. Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports and Edge, Edge is going to talk, come on and talk about the drafts. Some UDFA stuff. Uh, early takes on 2022. Good stuff like that. So that's sort of the lay of the land here as we get May into June. You know, you'll get this show. You'll get that show next week. And then some radio silence sort of until after Memorial Day as we recharge the batteries on this end and start thinking about getting going for the 2021 season. Speaking of which, we do have a schedule now, schedule release Wednesday night. You've probably seen the schedule by now, but just to refresh, they open up Miami at home, at the Jets, New Orleans at home, Tampa Bay at home, at Houston, Dallas New York Jets at the Chargers at the Panthers. Cleveland at Atlanta. Tennessee at Buffalo. More on that four-game stretch in a second. Then the late bye, week 14 bye, and they finish off the stretch with at Indy, Buffalo at home, Jacksonville at home, at Miami to close things out. Initial thoughts on this schedule are, this isn't too bad. Hey, maybe finishing the way they did isn't a bad thing. Especially, look, out of the gate, you get Miami at home, and then you get at the Jets. Miami, home game, nice way to open it up, then you go to the Jets. We know what Bill Belichick traditionally has done against rookie quarterbacks, so that's a nice one-two punch. Then you're back home for New Orleans. Who knows what their quarterback situation is going to look like. Those are three winnable games right out of the gate. Then, of course, there's the big one, Tampa Bay at home, Sunday, October 3rd, Sunday night game, NBC, 825 Eastern start, the whole nine yards. You know what that environment is going to look like. Every website, USA Today, Touchdown Wire included, had ready to go, oh, these are the top 11 matchups. These are the best games of the season. These are the games to circle. However, they framed it. This is at the top of every list. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough to, to play in front of the New England Patriots home crowd. Is he going to get the usual Jay-Z public service announcement, the run to the corner? Are we going to look at, going to get the let's go? Are we going to get a pregame ceremony at midfield? Are we going to get a video montage? It's going to be an environment. It's going to be an event. And of course, adding to all of that is this. 
Brady can theoretically become the NFL's all-time passing yardage leader in that game. He enters this season just 1,100 or so yards behind Drew Brees. Do the math, he averages 290 each of the first three weeks. And if he continues with that pace in week four against New England, he would do it. And of course, I'm sure that there is a not-so-insignificant portion of this listener base thinking it'd be even better if Belichick stops him from doing that in Foxborough. But that's certainly the big game on this schedule. But there are some other big games as we continue to look through it. After that Tampa Bay game at Houston. So, look, there's a potential for 4-1 and one here. Will it happen? That obviously remains to be seen. There's a lot of time between now and then. But there's a potential for 4-1 and one on paper. And then you get another nice stretch. Dallas, who knows what their defense is going to look like. The Jets at home. You know, getting Zach Wilson, another rookie quarterback situation, getting him for the second time. That could be a very winnable game. This next stretch, though, really intrigues me. At the Chargers, which I think will be a fascinating game. I've already written about that. Then at Carolina, a Cam Newton potential return of sorts. And then arguably, I think, the toughest four-game stretch of this season. A home game on Sunday, November 14th against Cleveland. Then a short week trip to Atlanta to play the Atlanta Falcons. That could be a very tough offense. Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones if he's still there, Calvin Ridley. That could be a very tough offense to face. And then you get the mini buy, Tennessee at home, and then at Buffalo on a Monday night. That's going to be a four-game stretch. Cleveland, Atlanta, Tennessee, Buffalo. That they could enter that with a very good record, but that four-game stretch could be sort of the divided line between is this going to be a good year or is this going to be potentially a great year? That's the way I look at that four-game stretch. Then they get the late buy, the week 14 buy, which you could go one of two ways on. Either it's way too late, they'll be really banged up. They do have the mini buy a couple weeks prior to that. This could be a bad thing. Or this could be a very good thing. Late buy, rest up, get ready for that December stretch drive. Bill Belichick always stresses you want to be playing your best football when? December into January. And so you get a buy in December at Indy, Saturday the 18th. That could be that could be flexed to Sunday. It's a time to be determined right now. And then the day after Christmas, home against the Bills. And then you open the 2022 calendar year, Jacksonville at home at Miami to close it out. This is a good schedule from New England's perspective. Two things come to mind. One, where does Mac Jones start? And we'll, we'll have more on Mac Jones, as I said, in the second half of the show. But there doesn't seem to be that sort of natural spot, right? Like, you look at some other teams that have rookie quarterbacks. You know, look, you know Trevor Lawrence is QB, is QB1 out of the gate, right? And so th- there's no need to find a spot for him. It's just he's week one. Same thing... With Zach Wilson. He's going to be the week one guy, right? Now, say with the 49ers, it's a bit different because San Francisco, there's questions about Garoppolo, Trey Lance, when does he go? San Francisco opens at Detroit, at Philly, Green Bay at home, Seattle at home, at Arizona, and then a bye in week six. And you could certainly see that sort of, like the Dolphins did last year, right? You start the veteran, 
you run him out there for the first couple of weeks, see how that looks, but then you get the bye, you take that opportunity to plug in the rookie quarterback, give him the chance to have that extra week of preparation. That's what the Dolphins did last year with Tua. And it seemed like, look, they had a plan, right? They had a plan. They were going to stick to it. Ryan Fitzpatrick until the bye, that's what they did. Same thing with Chicago. Although they have a bit later bye, you wonder about Justin Fields. Maybe he goes week one, maybe not. But they open at the Rams on a Sunday night game. Are you putting Justin Fields in that environment? I'm not so sure you are. Then maybe week two, since he at home, at Cleveland, Detroit at home, at the Raiders, Packers at home, at Tampa Bay, Niners at home, at Pittsburgh. Then they get a bye. And then you come back with Baltimore at home, at Detroit, Arizona at home. That might be the spot for Fields, right? Take the bye week, give him an opportunity to sort of get that extra week of prep. With the Patriots with a late bye, you know, uh, unless the season is in a situation where you're like, it's time to start the rookie, like this hasn't gone our way. Okay, maybe that's it. Other than that, maybe that October 24th game against the Jets at home. But I honestly don't know. There's not like a natural, easy spot to just say, look, this is Mac Jones. It's time for you now. So the late buy does have that sort of impact on it. You know, and then the other question is, how do we see this shaping up record-wise? And that's obviously a tough question to answer sitting here right now. Now, I think you could look at this schedule and it's not like last year where it was like, oh man, you look at all these quarterbacks they're going to have to face. Like there's no Chiefs on this schedule. There's no Ravens on this schedule. Like there are going to be some good quarterbacks. So obviously Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, if he's healthy, Justin Herbert. You know, Baker Mayfield took a leap forward. Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. Who knows what we're getting from Carson Wentz. Yes, Josh Allen is very good. Um, but it doesn't seem to have that like murderer's row of quarterbacks that they faced last year. So there's that. And so when I sit down and look at the schedule, I think, you know, 11 and 6, certainly doable. 12 and 5, if everything comes together, absolutely. Worst case scenario, maybe 10 and 7, but I think that probably still gets you into the playoffs. And yes, it's May, and yes, it's early, and there's all that stuff to, to point out. But I think this is a favorable schedule from New England's perspective. And so I think if you start thinking about expectations, expectations should be high right now. They invested heavily. They added talent. I really like the draft sort of top to bottom. And, you know, I'm going to be talking about that with Thor next week. But, you know, even some of the guys later on to day three, like Bledsoe, the hybrid player from Missouri, I really liked watching him on film. Sherman, the Colorado tackle, I liked watching him on film. And, and so you have to like the additions. But, of course, it's all going to come down to the quarterback position. And we're going to have more on that, specifically more on Mac Jones next here on episode 194 of the Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 194 of the Scope Show. And we've got to talk about Max Jones. And I know. I know that, like, you're probably sick of thinking about Mac Jones. And, you know, tough. And the, the reason why we got to talk about Mac Jones is because... It's because it's my show and that's what I want to do. Okay, only partially. But the reason I do want to dive back into Mac Jones is because it has been somewhat of a, shall we say, almost controversial topic this week 
touched off. It began last week. Benjamin Solak at the Draft Network, who I adore, think is incredibly brilliant, often writes things that not only spur some thoughts in my mind of how am I going to hang with guys like Ben, but also get me thinking about football. And he wrote a piece last week sort of on Mac Jones and whether he's really the one-to-one scheme fit. And what Ben was focused on was the schematics. Schematically, is Mac Jones the one-to-one scheme fit that people have made him out to be? And Ben's case was basically, look, he ran a very RPO-heavy offense. He ran a lot of play-action stuff, yes, but that was oftentimes shot plays downfield. And so if you think of what everybody thought Jones would slide into, which was the Brady offense of, you know, quick throws, quick reads, spread stuff, you know, play action, but you're still attacking near the line of scrimmage. No, it's not the one-to-one X's and O's scheme fit. And so what I did building off of that and the data that Ben brought to bear with his piece was then say, okay, how do you bridge that sort of gap? And I think it's important to make a distinction here. And the distinction is between conceptually the fit, X's and O's schematically the fit. That's the distinction here. Conceptually, the fit's, is, the fit's still there. That's the sort of scout the traits, not the scheme part of it. You know, quick reads, quick throws, accuracy in the short area. And there's all sorts of stuff to back that up. Conceptually, the fit. But the offense he was running at Alabama is not exactly one-to-one the offense that the Patriots, we expect them to run. And that's the distinction Ben was making. And so what I was trying to do was bridge the gap, okay, Here's what he ran in Alabama. Here's what the Patriots have done in the past that mirrors that. And here's how it could fit. Things like RPOs. He was a very heavy RPO quarterback in Alabama. And the numbers sort of back that up. Whether it was Ben's own charting or the fact that, look, Sports Info Solutions had him charted at 78 passing attempts on RPO designs last year at Alabama, which ranked him 10th in college football. The Patriots, well, they didn't attempt 78 passing attempts on RPOs. Cam Newton attempted 18, ranking him 47th among quarterbacks in the past three years, but that was a bit of an increase over the 17 Brady had in 2019 and the 8 he had in 2018. And so they're starting to incorporate some RPO stuff into the offense. But I do think that to sort of, again, if the goal is to bridge the gap between what Mac was running in Alabama and what New England will be running, some RPOs would be nice. Then there's the play-action passing game. And this is another area where, yes, Mac Jones did a lot of play-action passing. He attempted 212 passing attempts out-of-play-action designs, which ranked him, according to Sports Info Solutions, tops in the NFL. He completed 167 of those for 2,644 yards, 23 touchdowns, and just two interceptions. He also had an intended air yards mark of 1,798 yards on those throws, ranking him sixth in the nation. And so when he went RPO, he went downfield. And I got film clips in the piece of that. Now, traditionally, what the Patriots have done is more horizontal, even on RPO stuff. We all know one of their staples, RPO action, 
crosser behind the linebackers, right? Whether it's to Gronk, whether it's to Edelman, whether it's to whomever. And so I found clips of him doing that too. And then finally, sort of the drop back passing game. I think you're going to see some Haas stuff, some slot seam stuff, attack it vertically downfield. That's where he sort of stood out. And I think you're going to see some mesh, which the Patriots have been running in years past. And Jones has certainly shown an ability to run. And if you want more on Mac Jones running mesh, well, hey, there's a Steve Sarkeesian clinic floated out there that you can watch. And he, he will walk you through his railroad concept, which is how he teaches mesh, which is peak the running back, work the mesh concept. If the running back is early in the down, open, you throw it to him. I think you're going to see a lot of that if and when Mac Jones takes over. And you might see a lot of it with Cam anyway. But the the critical idea here is this. If you're Josh McDaniels, what are you going to do to put Mac Jones on solid footing when he starts games? And these are some, th- some things that I think, while they're not the like one-to-one scheme fit that people may have thought it was, these are ways that the Patriots can sort of tweak their offense to make it very comfortable for Mac Jones. And now I've spent pretty much the bulk of my week getting ridiculed for the idea that Mac isn't a one-to-one scheme fit, but I just don't think he is. But no quarterback was going to be conceptually the traits are there. That's the point. Conceptually the traits are there. Accuracy and stuff like that. That stuff's there. The Alabama playbook that he was running and the Patriots playbook that they were running, they're different. And it was probably going to be different for any of these quarterbacks that they got. Even Justin Fields. My thoughts on Justin Fields are what they are. I would have loved Justin Fields. But he's not the Patriots quarterback now. So let's find a way to get Mac Jones as comfortable as possible. And these are the ways that I think you do it. And these are concepts that are in their playbook, which I'm holding right now, that they can call. Playbook doesn't equal scheme. That's another thing here. Every team has mesh. Every team has RPO concepts. Every team has levels. Every team has Yankee. The scheme is what the coach feels comfortable calling on a more frequent basis based on the talent that he has. That's sort of the way to look at scheme, the thought process, the way to string together play calls and things like that. The plays are in the playbook. They ran 18 RPOs last year, up from eight and seven the two years prior with Tom Brady. So the schemes and the plays are in the playbook. It's just a matter of calling those more to put Mac Jones in a comfortable place. The idea now is to make Mac Jones the best quarterback in the NFL. And here's how you start going about doing that. Because this kid has to see the field at some point. Now, maybe it's not until 2022. Maybe it is this season. Maybe it's week one. We just don't know. That's going to be up to him. And when Belichick and McDaniels feel like he's ready to run this offense, the days of the three-year developmental curve holding the clipboard those are gone friends like you got to get these rookie qbs on the field and these are the designs that will make him comfortable in the pocket quincy avery had a great podcast recently it just came out i think on thursday morning about how a comfortable quarterback is a successful quarterback and that's something i've been saying for years you know and quincy knows more about quarterback than i ever will 
But a comfortable quarterback is an effective quarterback, and you want to get Mac Jones comfortable. That's Josh McDaniels' job now. RPOs, shot plays off of play action, some of these drop-back concepts, mesh, tosser, some of these other things that I talked about in this article, that's how you do it. That's how you put Mac Jones in a position to be successful. That's their job now. Now, whether they do it remains to be seen, but I think if you want to make Mac Jones the best quarterback he can be, this is the way you bridge the gap between what he was doing last year and an NFL offense to prop him up, make him comfortable, make him decisive, put him on solid ground to be successful with the talent around him, and then get him in a position when it's time to make that decision on the second contract, you feel like, yeah, he's not only passed the foundational level courses of quarterback play, he's into some master level stuff, and that's when you really sort of open up the offense for him. So, that's some Mac Jones stuff. That's enough for me, though. I will be back Monday. We'll be talking with Thor Nystrom um, from NBC Sports Edge about the draft, UDFAs, early 2022 stuff. Until then, friends, stay safe, wash your hands, check in on your neighbors, and when you do wash those hands, sin along. And bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxborough.